Hello, this is Christy Amira Harfouche, and you're listening to the Christian Harfouche Ministries podcast. We have a message for you today from Reverend John Harfouche. For more information, live broadcasts, and video teachings, connect with us online at globalrevival.com and join us every week for the Christian Harfouche Ministries podcast. Hallelujah. Well, you may be seated this morning. Turn with me in your Bibles to the first epistle of Peter. Hallelujah. How many of you know that it is good? That it is good to know that we did not come up with this thing. That the faith that we have is not the work of some man or some committee or some group. That it is the faith that was delivered once and once for all to man by the Lord Christ Jesus. That that faith has been preserved and passed down unchanged, undiluted, not weaker than it was. That we are partakers of and members of a body that stretches back through time, that is joined to God in heaven and in earth, we are the body of Christ. That is the gospel. That is what we believe, and that is what we have believed unchanged for thousands of years. There is no earthly organization that has survived for the past 2,000 years. Every nation, every group, everything that has been founded in the past 2,000 years has ended. Nothing has survived for that length of time except for the body of Christ, the church. And we know that all things will pass away, but his word will not pass away. And so we're members of that one thing, that one thing delivered once that will never fail, will never go away, will never be stopped. Hallelujah. And that's what we're a part of. So let's read the epistle that was written to us by Peter, the apostle. Chapter 1, actually, chapter 2, because I don't have uh, an unlimited amount of time this morning. Chapter 2 and verse 9. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. A holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I like this scripture. I like Peter and the way that he speaks and the way that he ministers. Uh, How many of you notice... uh, That he has just stated eight different words for unique or different or separate. Eight of them 
in a single sentence to communicate the difference between the church and those that are outside of the church. Now listen, he, he speaks, he speaks later on. He speaks throughout this whole section of scripture, this whole book, which we've gone over many times before and will continue to go over. Commissioning the people of God to act in accordance with what God made them. With who God made them. With what God delivered to them. So that the unrighteous who speak evil of the church will be proven to be liars. And that through that faithfulness, through that activity, through that fundamental difference of life, the world would see the truth of the gospel. That they would see that there is a difference between those that are born from above and those that are not. Now I know that those of you who are a part of this body are all about that. Because we don't get together so that we can leave the same way we came. We do not serve God so that we can live the same way that the world lives. Or be subject to the same things that the world is subject to. No, we know what it means to be the called out ones. To be the ecclesia. To be the church. By the way, that word ecclesia is the Greek word they use for church. It means the called out ones. Just in case you have, are not up to date on these important understandings of what the church is. But the church is the called out ones. Peter says, be ye holy because he is holy. The word holy means sacred, set apart, different. We're called to be different. And many of you know that there are many Christians out there who have no desire to be different from the world. They are afraid of being perceived as different from the world. Because they would rather be accepted by people than stand up for what God delivered to them. They care more about what people think about them as a person then they care about what people think about the salvation that was delivered by the Lord. But we don't play church here. We do not play. We know what God delivered to us and we stand for it because if, if that salvation means nothing in your life, then it's not worth even talking about. It's not worth even mentioning. What is the point of just another religion or ideology if it has no power to change things? If it has no evidence of its truth? But we are that evidence. We are called to be that evidence by walking different, by being different. That trait about you that makes people say, what is it that's different about you? 
You're not like everybody else. There's not just a difference of opinion between us. Something else is going on here. You have something that I don't have. And I want it. That is the evidence that we are called to supply. And with that, we are called to supply Many kinds of supernatural evidence. But how many of you know that the fruit of the Spirit are called that? Because when the Spirit is what you are walking according to, that fruit is what grows. That your life, the manner of your life, what Peter calls your conversation. But that word does not just mean what you talk about. That word means everything that you do, how you deal with other people, how you live your life, how you walk your walk. Your conversation is a testimony to the reality of the new birth. Hallelujah. And if there is no new birth that actually changes something, then what is the point? Why would anyone in the world go, I want what they have? When the, when people in the people, I don't want to even say people in the church, but Christians are doing everything they can to convince the world that there is no difference between them. To convince the world that there's nothing special about them. They don't believe anything is special about them and everyone is exactly the same. Who wants the same? Who needs a savior that's not going to save you from anything? That's not the savior that we have. We have the savior that saved us from all the bonds of the enemy. But how will the world believe that he freed you? If you are living like a slave. How will the world believe that you are under the authority of God. When the earthly forces are what is ruling over your life. And are what you serve. People are not dumb. And Christianity is not a religion for dumb people. People want solutions. And when they see that something works, that is when they latch on to it. Christians, and yet there are Christians who have somehow accepted that Christianity is a faith without solutions. That Christianity is about just going through the same thing that everybody else is going through, but believing in God while you do it. That Christianity is about letting the devil stomp on you as you lay on the ground right next to that heathen. You're both sinners. There's no difference between you. 
You haven't changed. You have no power to cast out the devil. Oh no, casting out the devil was done away with with the apostles. Healing the sick was done away with with the apostles. You have no authority over the natural situation. You're exactly like that sinner that you're lying on the ground next to while you're both being beat up by the devil. The only difference is while you're being beat up by the devil, you're thinking, well, at least one day I'll die. At least one day I'll die. And on that great day, I'll be free of this horrible hell that I live in. Did Jesus free you? Did Jesus free you? then why do people think that they're a slave until death frees them? Jesus didn't just die. He resurrected. And the death that we experience is not at the end of our lives. No, what the apostles taught was that we are crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, we live, but it is not us. It is Christ that lives through us. And so you don't have to wait to die because you already died on the cross with him. And you don't have to wait to be resurrected to have authority over this natural world because you have already been raised up with him. And if you have a problem with that, read the Bible because that's what the apostles taught us. That's what we were taught. What do you think baptism is? A rehearsal? No, we're different. We are different. We're not just called to be different. We're not just empowered to be different. We should expect to be different. You know this. Everyone who's ever been saved out of being a child of the devil knows this. When they got saved, they'll tell you it was like their whole life changed. They felt like a different person. But then sometimes those same people who experience that real change in their life, they, they don't even look like the same person. Sometimes as time passes, because of the lies that the devil has tried to tell the church, give up the reality of that new birth and think that it's just a symbol representing where they'll go when they die. But that is not the faith that was delivered to us. That is not the faith that we received. The faith that we received is one which says we are different. Not from the point of our death, but from the point of our conversion. From the point of our new birth. You're not born again after you die. You're born again after you're crucified with Christ. You're born again after you receive the new birth. Because it's not your death that saves you. 
It's his death that saved you. And last time I checked, that already happened. He's not going to die again. He's not going to die again. He already died. And he rose again to never die again. There is no additional price that's going to be paid. And no additional price that can ever be paid. Because you have already been bought. And if you are not born of the natural, but born from above, then whose authority do you live under? Peter said that you're no longer in the kingdom of darkness. You're in the kingdom of light. We've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. That's why we say we have a different economy. We have a different economy because we live under a different, under a different covenant than all of those people who are not born again. They are living in the sin of Adam. And we are living in the righteousness of God. In the redemption of Christ. And that's not to say something bad about people that are not saved. They're our target. Those are the people that we want to save. But we don't just want to save them from some future difficulty or pain. We want to save them from the shackles of this world that are affecting them right now. We have the solution. We've been given the solution, but we have to stand up for and walk in that solution. That's what Peter tells us. And I don't have time to read the whole epistle. You can read it. You can read 1 Peter. You can read 2 Peter. If you'd like to when you go home today and you'll see. He talks about how you've purified yourself through obedience to the word. Action is required in order for you to experience the reality of the new birth. You can't save yourself. But if you don't allow the anointing to work in you then God can't do anything with you. Listen, Peter also talks about desiring the sincere milk of the word as newborn babes. You know that when you keep feeding a baby, they don't stay a baby? It would be weird. It would be weird for you to expect to feed a baby and them to remain a baby forever. How many of you know that physiologically, that food gets broken down by that body? And that that body uses that food to grow and change and develop and, and become more capable so that that baby can become a child and can become an adolescent and can eventually become an adult, not eating milk that whole time. Graduate to different foods as you go, some sooner rather than later. But the point is food does something. Food is not just a maintenance, especially for children. Food is actually a fuel that gets broken down and turned into cells in their body. 
that food becomes a part of them. And that food makes up everything that they physically are. How many of you know, this is just a short science lesson real quick. The oldest cell in your body is, is about seven years old. So if the oldest cell in your body is about seven years old, nothing you ate from more than seven years ago is still in your body. But every cell that currently exists in your body is made out of something that you ate in the last seven years. You literally are what you eat. Physically, you are made out of that Taco Bell that you should cut back on. How many of you know that with that knowledge, it's good to say, you know what? I think I'm going to eat something healthy and good so that when it stays a part of my body for the next seven years, it's, uh, it's a value to me instead of a detriment, right? But, but what my point is, is that that metaphor goes a lot further than just eating, it goes a lot further than just sustenance because your food doesn't just keep you alive in the short term. It makes up who you are in the long term. And so if you as babes desire the sincere milk of the word, then that word will literally become a part of you. You will grow up made out of that word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My goodness, that's the metaphor. You have a different food. Like the Lord said, I have food that you know not of. You're built up on something beyond the natural. But only if you eat something other than the natural. Eat the natural too. You have a physical body. Praise God. Also, food is good. Big fan of food. Um, but you are a chosen. Let's revisit. This is their scripture. Just was a some. That was some bonus uh, stuff there. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Chosen is the word eclectos. Uh, it means picked out. It means different. It means chosen, elect, select. Chosen means chosen. Generation is not the word generation as in a group of people living all at the same time. We use the word generation in multiple ways in the English language. But in this Greek word, the word is genos. It means a kind, a kindred, kin. A generation means a group of people that are all born from the same source. And so it doesn't mean a generation as in they were a chosen generation at that time in history. No, it says a select kin, a family, a people, a generation. Like we use the word generate. We are generated by. We are a genos, right? 
So that word generation, yes, generation can mean both things. But in this case, it does not. Because in the original language, it just says genos, right? So you are a set-apart kin, a stock, a, a kind of person, right? You are a royal. How many of you know royal is a uh, kind of unique? Everybody's royal, nobody's royal. <laughs> royal, kingly, regal. And, and that's also about your generation. That's also about where you come from. It's your origin that makes you kingly, that makes you royal. It's royalty is inherited, right? A royal priesthood. Hierateuma, an order, an office. How many of you know that when you're established, when you're ordained, it is a separation. It is an honor. It is a distinction. And so you have chosen. It's a distinction. Generation or kind. It's a distinction. Royal is a distinction. Priesthood is a distinction. Holy, hagios, sacred, literally comes from the word different. Set apart, not for general use, but for a specific use. Holy nation, ethnos, where we get the word ethnicity. We are an ethnicity. We are a nation. That's what doctor's talking about when he says that the greatest nation on earth is the body of Christ. He's not talking about some earthly nation or country, some kind of uh, uh, legal border or group of laws. He's talking about a nation, a people, an ethnicity that we are all born into when we're born again. A peculiar people. A peculiar, aeus, peculiar, of a specific time, place, or purpose. This is, these are all synonyms. Look, Peter was like, I'm going to communicate what I'm trying to say here. If I have to use every word in my dictionary, the thesaurus is in my hand. People, Laos, uh, a people, a people who are of the same stock or language. How many of you know that we're of the same stock and the same language? That ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. And he says, dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims. So he says, see yourself as strangers and pilgrims. Recognize that you are in the world, but you are not of the world. 
that you are here representing another kingdom that you were sent from. That you are here representing another order that you are a part of. That you are here representing another nation. I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Right? Here's Peter identifying that fleshly lusts or carnal desires towards things that are sinful are not something from the country you're from. That that is the action and activity and life of the place that you are a stranger in. Sorry, I'm not from around here. We don't do that. That's not our manner of life. That is not our inheritance. I am both a stranger and a pilgrim in this carnal world because I don't walk after the flesh. I walk after the spirit, as Paul said, right? Having your, and here's that word I mentioned, conversation honest among the Gentiles. Conversation does not mean conversation like we use it today. It means your manner of life, the way that you live, honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. So there is a activity that we as Christians are commended to act in. There is a manner of life that we are told to uphold, not because we ourselves grew the ability to do that, but because the Lord, when we were born again, gave us the ability to do that, gave us a new nature. And he continually gives us the power to live in a way that the world can't live. And so, yes, there's a discipline, but there's something beyond discipline going on here. Because how many of you know there are disciplined sinners in the world? There are people that are very strict about what they do. There are people that follow other beliefs that are very strict with themselves to the point of harming themselves, starving themselves, you can abstain without it being godly. Right? There's, a, there's, a, there's something beyond discipline going on here. It's not just you've, been met, you've, you, you've understood a better way and so live by that way. Because then any sinner who went, wow, those Christians are really good people. I'm going to live like that even though I don't believe in God, could be successful. But how many of you know that the entire point of the wall, the entire purpose of the whole Old Testament period was to show that man could not live on that level without a new nature, without a new birth. And of course, I don't have to argue this point because every human being that has ever lived on the planet Earth is aware that you need God's help in order to live up to the calling of God. How many of you know? 
That's obvious. Every human being who's alive knows that when you set a set of rules for yourself that you are going to fulfill, you're not going to make it perfect without failing on those rules at any point ever. Uh, generally, it's, it's a process, right? And, and that discipline in the natural is a process. But we're talking about something beyond that. We're talking about a level of life that is so self-evidently supernatural that people who see that manner of life realize that what you have is not attainable in the natural. There's a level of righteousness and of joy and of faith and of power that you can walk in empowered by God that is greater than anything that anyone can attain to in the natural. No matter how disciplined or how obsessive they are because that's the message. That's the evidence. That's the proof. And I know we have other proof too. We cast out devils and we heal the sick. But how many of you know that's not the only proof that we're given? Because you know what? That proof doesn't tell the whole story. That proof doesn't tell, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I mean. This, give the glory unto God, for we know this man is a sinner. Man that Jesus healed, how many of you know Jesus is not a sinner? Right? Man that Jesus healed goes to the Pharisees and goes, look, I was healed. It's proof of God. It's proof of God's will being in favor of this man. It's proof that this man comes on behalf of God. And the response of the religious that are resisting the Lord is God healed you. Don't give any uh, don't account this proof on behalf of Jesus because we know that man is a sinner. Now, how many of you know that Jesus, by his very manner of life, disproved the accusations that were lodged against him? And that's what Peter is talking about here. He says they speak against you as evildoers. How many of you fully recognize that the world speaks against the church as evildoers? Every day, constantly. Even today, you can hardly go anywhere without someone speaking against the church as evildoers. And people spoke against Christ as an evildoer. They said he was demon-possessed. They said he was a sinner. They said he was a glutton. They said he was an alcoholic. But how many of you know that it's really easy to disprove those things if you're not a sinner or a glutton or an alcoholic? Because any person who sees your manner of life recognizes that your manner of life has been affected by the Lord. And so it's two different kinds of proof. And we as the church should be standing for both of those things. Because you might lay hands on someone and they might get healed. And the response from someone else who believes in God will be, uh, well, yeah, you got healed, but the person who laid hands on you is a, is a crazy heretic. They're one of those holy rollers. <laughs> so don't listen to what they say because they're preaching something that's not in the Bible. Despite the fact that what they're preaching is getting results. <laughs> Did I mention results? Results. 
what you're preaching doesn't get results, you should find something to preach that does. Um, <laughs> but you recognize just, just basic understanding the way people are. These are two different kinds of evidence. And they're both required. They're both, they both show forth the truth of the gospel. They both affect your life. And listen, if you are walking in the power of God, what God does to change your manner of life will have a greater effect on you in the long run than God healing your body. Why? Why do I say that? I say that because many of us who are in the word of God and in ministries like this continually don't get sick. We got sick. We have a point in history at which we had something we needed to get healed of and the Lord healed it. But if you're not walking around constantly getting sick, then you don't constantly need a physical miracle. No, because the Lord preserves you. He, he, we walk in divine health. We don't get sick. And so what affects your life the most in the long run? You being changed into someone that's walking in the faith and power of God in every area of your life? Or just a miracle that God provides at one time in your life? Both things are important. Both things are essential. Sometimes your life depended on that miracle. Sometimes the rest of your life wouldn't have even happened if it wasn't for that miracle. But how many of you know that someone who lives their life like the world gets sick, comes to the house of God, gets healed, and then lives the rest of their life like the world in ignorance that there's anything else available is going to go through a lot of suffering. Is going to go through a lot of things that the Lord called them to not go through. Is going to live in a way that is not as good as what they could be living in. If they knew better. And this is, this is fundamental to being a part of the body of Christ. This is fundamental to being a Christian. The, the sign of the church is the called out nature of the church. The name of the church in Greek is the called out ones. That's literally who we are. That's what we do. When you're born again, you leave the unconnected nations of the world and you become a member of the body of Christ. You're translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And so that difference is essential. So we as Christians have to push for that. And we have to recognize that. Especially in a world today that looks crazy. And in nations of the world today that look crazy, the trajectory of this earth is not your trajectory. The trajectory of whatever nation you are in is not your trajectory. Like I said at the beginning, every organization that existed 2,000 years ago has collapsed. Every nation 
that existed 2,000 years ago collapsed. How many of you know who's still here? How many of you know who did not collapse? How many of you know whose destiny was not the same as the world around them? How many of you know that we'll outlast everything that's going on in the world? We'll outlast everything that's going on in the world. We have a different destination. But we're not just here to die. We're here to save people from the things that are happening in the world around them. We talk about it constantly. The way that God does things is, is, is clear. From the Old Testament times, only with your eyes will you behold the reward of the wicked. A thousand will fall at your right. Ten thousand will fall at your left, but it won't come nigh your dwelling. This is how God does things with his people. This is what happens when you have a covenant. And so we're not those that despair as if they have no hope. We're those that know that we have God backing us. That we will reap in the time of famine 100 fold. You know, we have a prophecy. We have a prophecy that we've received. Don't let a few months of hardship in the world rob you from years of multiplied blessing that the Lord has promised you. Do not let what is happening on the right and on the left get on you because you are not living in that. You are not subject to that. You have been called out of that. You are the salt. You are the light. You are the solution. Everything else can go down. Everything else will fade away. But the word of God will not fade away. In, in, the, in Second Peter, the second epistle of Peter, Peter starts out in, in verse 2 of chapter 1. He says, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power, hallelujah, hath given unto us all things. How many things? How many things? That pertain unto life and godliness. All things that pertain unto life and godliness? Not just all things that pertain unto godliness, and then you got to get the stuff that pertains to life from somewhere else. Not just all things that pertain to life, and then you wait, have to get the godliness after you die. According as his divine power, as his theo, God, right? Dynamo. Is that word? Theo dynamo. 
<laughs> God's dynamo. His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. See, and that's what gives you the power to be different. Because the source of your life, the source of your power, the source of your righteousness, right? The source of your virtue, the source of everything in your life is not of this world. It is the power of God. It is the theodynamo. And so this world... This material can do whatever it wants to do. Every created thing that exists from sand to dirt to rock to iron to whatever, every created thing that exists can do whatever it wants to do because the one who created all of those things lives inside of you. The one who's supplying everything you need is not created. He is the creator. The one who's supplying everything you need has no beginning and has no end. Has, is not incarcerated by this world. You're a member of the body of Christ. You're born from above. You walk after the spirit, not after the natural. I'm quoting a lot of different parts of the Bible that I know you know. Because all of these statements, just like being a royal priesthood and a holy nation and a peculiar people, are saying the same thing. They are communicating the same truth in a richness that you need in order to understand what that means. That means that when you walk out into the world and you see everyone acting crazy and you see the world gone insane, you recognize that sure, you are not subject to what they are subject to. That this world is not your source. That this world did not make you who you are. And this world cannot unmake you. That this world did not give you what you have. And so this world cannot take away what you have. And so all y'all can act crazy. But I know. I know what my source is and what my promise is. How many of you know faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Fear also comes by hearing, but it comes by hearing a different word. If your eyes and your ears and your mind and your meditation is full of this world, is full of this earth, you won't even remember who you are. You'll be like that man that the Bible talks about. Who beholding who he, what he looks like in a mirror goes away and forgets what he looks like. You'll be that person. Because if 
what you partake of, if what you connect with, if the way you live is the way that the world lives, then you will walk in the same direction that the world is walking in. And you will arrive at the same destination that the world is arriving at. But if you recognize that you are a part of a people and you draw nigh to God and you draw nigh to your brothers and sisters in the Lord and you fill your mouth with the word of God, you fill your ears with the word of God, you fill your heart with the word of God, you won't be impressed by the word of anyone else. You won't be impressed by the word of anyone else. His, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature. Whose nature is that? God's nature. That by these promises, you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. How many of you have escaped the corruption that is in the world? How many of you are partakers of the divine nature? But how many of you know that in order to walk in that way, we have to actually walk in that way? How many of you know that the church, they change the world? We change the world. We changed the world all that time ago, and the way that we changed the world is the same way that we need to change the world today. Nothing has changed. Listen, if the church lived like the pagans in the first century, they would not have changed a thing. If the church lived like the world did then, the world would have no reason to change, would have no reason to become a part of the church. It's the, it's the uniqueness of the church. It's the, the unity of the church that preaches that gospel, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Verse 16 says, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven, we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. 
And so Peter likens our promise. Peter shows as proof that we are called to be partakers of the divine nature, the transfiguration. He says, listen, we didn't follow cunningly devised fables. I was there with James and John. I beheld Christ transfigured. I heard the voice of the Lord. And that transfiguration, that, that is what he likens as. That is what he quotes as proof of our change. As proof of us becoming partakers of the divine nature. He said, listen, Jesus showed the transfiguration before he left this earth. Even before he was crucified. While he was walking on this earth as a man anointed by God. Without vacating his call to walk as a man. He showed forth the transfiguration on the mount. And we were eyewitnesses of it. We saw what happens when you have the divine nature. Not just after the resurrection. Not just when you die and your body is resurrected like his body is. Before Gethsemane. Before Golgotha, before the resurrection, how many of you know that Jesus did not do what he did by divine ability, as if he just showed up and was God and did everything he did as God on the earth? No, he was a man. He was God, absolutely. Just as much God as if he was not man, just as much man as if he was not God. But the whole point of the redemption was that he lived as a perfect man because we could not. And so that transfiguration was not only a sign of what would happen to him. It was a sign of what is supposed to happen to us. And Peter says it. Peter says it. He says, you, we are called to be partakers of the divine nature. We're not, co- we're not following fables. We saw with our own eyes. We were in the mount with him. How many of you recognize that Jesus was different? There is not a single person in the history of the earth that was as different as Jesus was. To the point that we literally split the calendar by his arrival. There was the earth before Jesus and there was the earth after Jesus. How many of you want to be that much of an impact on the planet? Literally. Literally. Human history is divided by the moment that that then <laughs> human history is divided by the man Christ Jesus. His arrival changed the planet to the point that we divide human history by him. Even, even, I know people these days are offended by Anno Domini in the year of our Lord. 
right? A.D. and B.C. Uh, A.D. and B.C., they're trying, to get a, they're trying to do away with it, right? They want to replace it. They want to replace in the year of our Lord with common era, which is not a thing, by the way. They made that up. Um, and they want to replace before Jesus came with before common era, okay? The problem is they didn't change the years, So you might not say his name, but you're still dividing history by his arrival. (laughs) They literally can't even get away from it. They could change the name because they're offended by the name. They're like, well, he's not my Lord, but they're still dividing history by his arrival. Christ was so different that there's not even people that talk bad about him today. Because people won't take you seriously if you say something bad about Jesus. Every other religion has to speak well of Christ to get away with their religion. The Hindus are like, oh yeah, he was totally a god. Also, as well as all of our other millions of gods. Right? The Muslims are like, oh yeah, he was totally a prophet. No one's allowed to say anything bad about him. In fact, he was born of a virgin. The New Agers are like, he's the archetypical person with the spirit of Christ. He's the only one, you guys. (laughs) Do you see what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying? His, His conversation... His manner of life speaks for itself. Even people who don't like him can't talk bad about him anymore. When he was alive, they said all that stuff, but nobody believes it now. How many of you know that's kind of a big deal? There's a person in the history of the earth that no one will talk bad about? It's weird, right? People talk bad about everybody. People talk bad about everybody, but nobody could talk bad about Jesus because he is the most influential human being that ever lived. Definitionally. How many of you recognize that you're supposed to live with him in you? If that's the testimony of his life, then we're called to walk in that testimony. How many of you know that when the Lord said, the works that I did and greater works will you do? That did not only include the walking on water. That did not only include the multiplication of the loaves and the fishes. That did not only include the casting out devils and the healing the sick. It included the manner of life that he walked in. And that is why he gave you his nature. So that you could walk like he walked. Hallelujah! Thanks for joining us on the Christian Harfouche Ministries podcast. Join us on our other podcast, Miracles Today. Connect with us at globalrevival.com and we'll see you next week.